you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 43 of the Wulong Talks podcast. Hi, my name is Jason, and I'm the, the host of the show, as you know. Um, and welcome back. Uh, we have a very, very special guest with us here today who's going to have a, an interesting chat with us about uh, martial arts and books um, and movies and all of that good stuff that you love Um and that's why you come to us, of course. <laughs> so we're going to get down to, to chatting all about that and introduce our guest as well. So without further ado, um, let me introduce the novelist and martial artist and enthusiast, uh, Ramona S.J. Lee. Ramona, hello. Welcome to Wulong Talks. Hi, it's nice to be here. Ah, it's Thanks a pleasure to have you. <laughs> Absolute you. pleasure. But um, yeah, I mean, you're... As said, you're uh, you know you're a novelist, and and we came across yeah. some of your your work. Um, I've been reading uh, one of your Agent Double Zero series, so we'll we'll have a little chat about that. Um, but the book has has been awesome. Um, you know, it's it's full of all of the things I love, which is martial arts, fantasy, um, adventure, a, a bit of comedy as well. So, you yeah. know, I've really really enjoyed it. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, it's um, a, a book that I can definitely recommend to people. Uh, that that's cool you know i like feedback and when people people telling me they they enjoyed my books or what characters they liked that's that's what i'm writing for mm, mm. Feedback is what makes me happy sure sure i can imagine so i guess we we should start with the most obvious question first really which is um what made you decide to get into writing in in the first place well, I, actually, I always knew I'm going to write. That was somehow a childhood dream or something, not really a dream. I was like really sure I'm going to write stories, you know, and I grew up watching martial arts movies. Actually, mm. my mom was watching all kind of, of the old school movies, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s or the early 2000s, because that's why when, when I was a kid. And I really enjoyed that kind of movies. And while, while watching them, I told myself, that's what I want to do in the future too. Mm. But I wasn't really sure what, what's going to be like or directing stunts or writing. I had no idea what that really is, making a movie or what kind of people you need on a set or every, but what I saw there on screen was what made me happy. And I, I really hoped I could do one day exactly what I saw on screen. Mm. So the first thing I could start with was of course, writing a story. And that's what my mom told me too. Like, like, you know, you can start maybe practicing martial arts and mm. later, if, of course, if you want to do action movies and you're going to be an action star and do your own martial arts or stunts or whatever, maybe not stunts, but just the martial arts, you need to start training. And that conversation, we had that conversation when I was four, year, four years old. So <laughs> it was oh, like wow. a really long, long way ago, right? Yeah. 
yeah, I was I was really sure I'm going to do this. Mm. And so I started with thinking, okay, if I can write a story, like write a book, you know, books can be later movies. So I really was sure I'm going to write a novel. So that was later when I was 14. Mm. I wrote the first novel that time and I did write it in 28 hours. Mm. That April 2012, that was my first first novel. Wow, that's then, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> then start, my journey started when I was 14 mm. and wrote the first three novels that year in 2012. And I put them first online. Because that's how I started. People ask me, how did you write that book in 28 hours? Because that's not, not possible. Like you're sitting down 28 hours and you really wrote that book from beginning to end. No, it was in that month. Uh, it was in April 2012 because this first April 2018, I have six years since my debut. And mm -hmm. in that month, I just wrote like one hour, two hours a day during that vacation from school. And I posted that episode, I called episode, it was a chapter actually from the novel, and I posted them online. And putting together all the hours, I really worked on that book. It came out that was around 28 hours. So that's why I'm saying I wrote a novel in 28 hours, because mm. I didn't cut anything. I just, that's what I'm doing today too. I, I'm not going back to the text. So the first draft I'm writing is actually the printed one. I'm meaning the, the Romanian one. So I'm not okay. changing anything. It's all how I wrote it first. It's going to be printed like that. And mm. that's how I did the first novel. And it was for free, just online. I wanted to see what people think because the reaction of the people was, was the important thing here. And so I put it online and people started actually clicking that ebook. And if it has had around 600 clicks, I know from the first two chapters, I think, that's not much, it's it's a few clicks thinking of other people who are selling books. But for me, who I had no connections, even just 10 or 20 friends on Facebook that time, it was a lot for me that strangers really clicked and shared and yeah, shared between each other that story and they didn't even know me. So that was a great thing for me as, as a beginning. So that mm. made me keep going and keep writing. So I put the first three novels just for free online to get that feedback. Mm -hmm. I mean that that's actually amazed me that you started writing at the age of 14 I mean as a 14 year old I was probably still wasting my time with cartoons on tv and you know deciding whether or not I wanted strawberry milkshake or banana milkshake so the fact that you've been able to to you know really focus your, yourself onto writing a book at, at the age of 14 is um, amazing really um, and it's great to hear that you you got so much encouragement as well from your mother to to really start you know yeah, pursuing that, that your dream. Right, yeah, she was an important support, and she still supports everything I'm doing, even getting now the movie industry and the acting and everything. She supports that was important, even if mm. no one supported me at that moment. It was good to have someone at home that pushes you and make you keep going, and yeah, don't don't let you get up. But that mm. was really important because you know at the beginning you're facing a lot of mean people a lot of rejection because i faced a lot of rejection i can say it until today sometimes people telling me when you're speaking you don't sound like a 20 years old you sound like people with, with like a person with a lot of experience and stuff yeah because i started very young 
the writing mm. thing. And I faced all that rejections and everything from a very young age. So I've been through all that. So nothing surprises me anymore. You know, I'm prepared for more and getting like facing other problems because I went through a lot. So not always age matters. Sometimes it's the experience and what you're able to do, not, not your age. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's an excellent point that you raise there as well. It's, um, as you said, it's all about the the experience, you know, um, definitely. And, and everything is, is a learning experience. And it seems like you've learned a, an awful lot in a short space of time. Yeah, life, life had to teach me. That yeah. <laughs> it's good and bad, but yeah, I had to go through that. And I'm thankful for that. Mm. Because it made me who I am today. And um I'm not scared anymore. Mm. Maybe it, it's hard to get through such things when you're 15 or 16 compared to when you're 25. Maybe you're facing it differently. You're almost a kid when you're 14. And maybe it's hard, you know, when you get reje rejection or hard words from people that are older than you and who have positions or even from mass media who ignore you or call you different ways or, you know, Think you're gonna going to vanish because I had such problems like three years no one wanted to write about me hmm. in Romania saying that you know she wrote the novel but she's going to disappear in one year or in a few months you're going not going to hear from her anymore and that was for me hard because I thought maybe it was a little bit silly but I thought that a lot of people are going to support me or you're going to write about me you know she was 14 she wrote her first novel first three novels at the age of 15 and I thought I'm going to get this support but I get zero support from teachers from all the people around me just strangers and that's mm. the thing that makes me happy today because just strangers supported me at that point and of course my mom but the rest of the family the teachers the people around me most of them ignored or even talked different things about me which didn't make me happy at that point but now i'm happy that strangers appreciated my work because that's important and strangers tell you that people have no idea who you are but tell you your work is great that means your work is great because when your family says that that might be not true but when strangers tell you that that's that means it's really good what you're doing but you know when you're still 15 and people talking like this at the beginning you don't feel that well and it's hard mm -hmm. to go through that moments of not giving up and keep going what you're doing that was important to have a support at home that told don't listen to them and keep going and i'm happy i kept going because look where i'm today and that's important mm -hmm. people. Mm. yeah exactly i mean it it's you know it's common that for all the people that that we speak to because we've you know been fortunate enough to speak to a few people um who are in the creative arts in different ways and um you know it, it's common how everybody has to kind of almost um fight to get to to where they they want to be um you know it's it's a world where there's only a select few people who who are able to get by because of you know who they know and the connections that they have the rest of us uh, unfortunately aren't part of that club so we we kind of have to do it ourselves and right. um but the one thing about it is it does you know shape character in it and as you said you learn a tremendous amount about yourself and um, you know and, and what you're capable of when you have to go through these things so yeah, right. Yeah, so it's fascinating to to kind of hear your your story and, and sort of how that that came about. 
Um, one of the things I, I, I did want to ask you as well is that that I noticed is that I know you um, do have a, an interest in in kind of acting and um, her, um, sort of stunt work and, and things like that as well. Um, have, has there been a lot that you've been able to do uh, over your career so far? Um, I had a movie appearance last year in um, a British production, mm. uh, but that wasn't wasn't the role. I, more I supported them, like writing an article or stuff. And mm. yeah, they invited me, like being part of the project, a little bit on screen, being on set. That was really important for me, not having maybe the role of my life or something. But it was like for the first time being on set and it was interesting because in my career, I'm just me and my laptop and just writing and writing and you're not all getting to know like directly people and working with people, just maybe the publishing house. But hmm. I was always on my own. And that's interesting because producing a movie means you have to have um, a team, you work with the team, with people, with connections, you know. And that was interesting for me to be there and to really, really uh, be sure, is it what I want to do? Is it really what I want to do? Or is it just the novels and like giving the story and let the other people do the work for the movies? And yes, it's what I want to do. And you you know, you always learn. You never know everything, even until you die. You don't know everything. And like life is just about learning new things and seeing new things. And this was a very nice experience for me of being it was always the first time in London and meeting new people and sharing my work with them and seeing how they are on set and even being on camera. It, mm. it was a new experience. So yes, that's what I want to do. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, like it, it's, it's always great when you get the opportunity to kind of, um, you know, rub shoulders i guess with with people who work in the industry that you're interested in and especially yeah. with the movie business as well um you know it, it's it's such a great experience to to be on a set and learn kind of how like a set works and what each person on a set does and, yes, right. and all of those kind of things you know they're all sort of useful lessons especially you know going forward um with your own career as well so yeah that that sounds like it must have been a pretty awesome experience um did the did the movie shoot in the summer or or in the winter uh when it was filmed yeah yeah in the spring actually, in the spring exactly okay. april last year Oh, okay. Almost exactly a year. Okay. Oh, cool, cool. So you didn't get caught out by the the British weather then, (laughs) or the horrible British weather, I should say. uh, When I was on set, it was during night and Mm. freezing cold. It was really cold. I got cold (laughs) when I was at home. It was terrible. Mm. And we have in Romania, it's much warmer. And when I got back, it was, I got a cold. And it was really cold, but it was nice anyway. But cold. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uk is um is kind of harsh at that time of year so yeah, yeah i can imagine you you were feeling pretty cool <laughs> yeah i'm wearing like clothing we had there were no winter clothes or something so you had to always mm. you know take the jackets off while filming and then you know put the jacket back and then freezing and you're gonna it was, it was, it was fun mm. Mm. cool so you you mentioned earlier um, that your interest in in kind of martial arts and things like that um, came from watching some of the older movies with with your mum. What are some of your favorite sort of early martial arts movies and, and your earliest kind of memories of, of martial arts movies? Did you have any like particular stars that that you liked or or anything like that? 
Well, from the older movies, one of my favorite as a kid was Drunken Master. Classic. Classic, of course. And yeah, because Jackie is like my my one of my favorite. Um, mm. Of course, everyone likes Jackie, so mm. you know, Bruce Lee, you know, that's what everyone likes. And actually, but the movie that made me really want to produce one day my own movies was a police story, like the whole series and the oh, new police yes. story. Mm. And like the stunts from the first and second police story movie, they're crazy, like really awesome stunts. And like the, the story from the new police story that was later, but I was still kind of young when that movie came out. And I like that drama, you know, the background, dramatic background and the, combined with the action. And I really wish that I could write one day some sort of this kind of story, you know, my own mm. story that had that kind of style. And but a movie that I can watch again and again and then I remember my about my childhood is Who Am I? Mm. Uh, then, and I remember that that part of the movie when when Jackie climbs and yells, "Who am I?" You know? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that was iconic for me in my childhood. Mm. I was yelling that in German because I watched that in German TV and they dub every movie, so I remember the German words. Mm. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that movie, and yeah, that that was part of my childhood. But of course, Bruce Lee movies and Jet Li, and you know, I grew up with all these kind of movies, but the a few of them yeah that's my favorite mm. police story but what really made me wish to write the, my own police story one day you know mm. that's mm. what i did with agent zero zero mm. Mm. yeah i was gonna say i can i can definitely now having finished sort of the first volume see the parallels between kind of police story and, and um agent zero zero i really by the way love police story especially the first one i think that's one of my all-time favorite uh kung fu movies i i just think that you know like you said in terms of the quality of the writing um you know the the, the plot is so good the script is good the acting is good the martial arts of course is brilliant but the stunts are insane but it's everything you know he managed to capture everything perfectly in in that one movie um and of course he he damn near killed himself at the end trying to do that that stunt down the um where he slides down the electric you know yeah the the electric lights it just it, you just wonder sometimes <laughs> i'm like you know jackie you don't have to do this like we love you like you know, you're, you're awesome but you don't have to always put your life at risk <laughs> you know? he's older now i'm so happy mm. somehow that he's older now and that he can't do all his stunts anymore because mm -hmm. we all need him alive that's right <laughs> yeah, exactly. we want him alive so it's good that yeah. he takes it easier and he takes maybe some stunt doubles and so it's good to know he's, he's then we have him alive that's mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. Long live Jackie Chan, I say. So, yeah, keeping it. By the way, have you seen um, the movie The Foreigner yet? Yes, I watched that one. You have? Okay, because I, I still haven't seen it yet. Um, like It's sitting there on my Netflix account, and I had it saved from the moment it came out. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. But you know how it is with movies sometimes. You say, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch this. And then you it gets saved somewhere. And, then life yeah, takes over and you forget and you, yeah so i've just completely forgotten but it, it's good yeah it's really good it was surprising the mm. drama was surprising like seeing jackie doing just drama and like no comedy at all and mm. i you know mm. when you're watching a movie with him you really look at the screen and you wait and wait when can i laugh 
Well, yeah. where's the joke? When mm -hmm. does the joke come? And really, I watched that movie and I really didn't laugh because there he had other drama stories too, but there has to be some point where you're laughing. And now <laughs> I was watching this and I was, okay, the movie is good, but you are waiting for something else from him. But it's true, like he's saying, he's getting old. He can't always be that young, handsome guy, like with two or three girlfriends and stuff. It's not, he can't do such roles anymore at, at mm. age. And it's, of course, you have to change somehow and do other styles maybe too, like according to your age. But a little bit still for a fan who has watched all your movies and stuff, you, you're waiting for that kind of comedy or to do it somehow combined maybe with younger people around you and you're taking on a different role and still be in a comedy movie. That's mm. what I personally wish from him. You know, like he being still in the comedy movies, even if he doesn't do, like doing what he can do at his age right now, but the role he can have at this age. Hmm. Still being comedy movies, you know, you like missing the old Jackie where you have to laugh. But yeah. It's really good. Really okay. Cool, cool. I'm going to get around to checking that out at some point. I will. I just keep saying, I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I don't. And then uh, I said, I, I just keep getting lost along the way when I try and settle down to watch it. But I, I, I'm definitely going to do it. But um, moving on, I mean, talking about the um, sort of police story and, and kind of how that inspired uh, agent zero zero um tell us a little bit about agent zero zero because as i said at the top of the show you know i i've just uh, finished reading the, the first volume and i loved it i mean it, it had like so many different types of, of styles um all blended together to to make what was a really sort of wholesome story and an interesting story and an exciting story as well um so where did kind of you know the the ideas come from for that story apart from police story i guess i don't know people always ask me where where the ideas come from i actually have no idea like i'm sitting down an mm. idea comes into my mind it starts bothering me i have work to do i start not i try not to think about that idea that comes into my <laughs> mind and it bothers me i can't do anything else but start writing and then i'm start writing the story and yeah i'm like i said i'm writing the first draft and then make no no changes so I wrote it first time, it's going to be published like this. I'd let no one change anything. That's exactly how I did it. You have to publish it like this, making no changes. And I always, like like I said, admiring these kind of stories. And um, I always wanted to, to have my own story like that, but an original story and in my style, because the first novel I published was a martial arts story, but it was more like, um, action and drama and having that philosophy of martial arts you know a master who teaches his um, students uh, and kids a way of life and a way of thinking and stuff but it had no fighting in it like really stunts in a book you know mm. and that was that was the idea that came up later and because agent zero zero the first volume is my fifth book and mm -hmm. when i started writing it i really got that impression of Oh, this is going to be an awesome story. It's going to be my favorite. And <laughs> I was writing it. I said, no, it's not going to be one novel. I'm doing a series. It's going to be like a action, you know, a police action story with more volumes. And mm. I was re really excited to write it. And it's still my favorite. And I'm mm. having a lot of fun to write while writing it. I'm I'm laughing myself when I'm writing it. And then <laughs> it's something funny, I'm laughing. And if I'm mm. laughing, 
And then the first person who's reading is my mom. And sometimes I spy on her when she's reading the printed papers. And then I see her smiling or even laughing or something. And I say, okay, that's good. She's laughing because she's really critic. But if it's not good, she's really telling me it. It mm. doesn't really happen because she usually she's happy with what I'm doing. But if that's not something not okay, she's really ready to cut everything like you're not going to publish. <laughs> But usually mm. when I see her, see her smile, laughing, that makes me happy. Okay, the story is good, we can publish it. Yeah, so when I started writing it, I had an idea of having um, two agents, having missions or three agents, actually. And uh, I wanted a boss that has some agents who are going for missions. That was my idea. But mm. I wanted this, um, you know, because the story has always these two worlds the past mm. and the, mm. the future, like the Dragon Dynasty and Hong Kong 2000 years later. So mm. I had the idea of always writing the past and then the present, like in every um, series to be the parallel worlds, you know, that the, that the characters who maybe will know or will not know that there are two worlds that happen in the same time. And, you know, what happens in one world have, could have action in the future too. Yes, mm. so yeah, it, like it's a story of four agents led by their boss. And during the Dragon Dynasty, um, not, not talking about the first volume, the one that is translated in English too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like the curse falls over the princess, so the emperor has to send her away in order to protect the dynasty uh, so that the curse could not fall over Feian, over the princess, or mm -hmm. over everybody. Like, you know, and yeah, how they meet in the past, like the general with the princess and the Jew and uh, Lulu, who's uh, stealing the coins from Jew. Mm. And then the same things happens in, in Hong Kong, like 2000 years later, there are two agents. But when, when, when the story in Hong Kong starts, you start seeing, oh, this agent Eddie seems to be the general from the past. You see the actions they do and the way they behave. You, even if you're not watching the movie, because if it's a movie, you really see the faces, but in a book, you can't see the faces. And I'm not really describing the faces because mm. I'm not really describing characters at all, but you can shape their, their way of being like, while they're doing certain actions and how they move and how they talk. You can know how they are even without my description. So then you can see, oh, then Jew from the past is Leo in, in 2015, you know, and then that's the funny thing that because you thought you're, you lost them, like lost the princess and everything in the past and then starts a new story in the future. But you see that you actually meet them again in Hong Kong 2000 years later, and they have no idea that they have another life and they met, like they meeting the same again and years later. Mm. So they're meeting kind of in the same way. And yeah, like in the first volume, they have a mission because in every series, they are going to have a mission, a different mission, a different uh, person they are looking for or criminal or whatever. And there's always a dramatic background because the story is actually action comedy. The martial arts action comedy, fantasy, but it has also drama because the, the background is dramatic, like the princess, the curse, um, the um, emperor who has to send the princess away. It's a sad story. And even in the, the future, when the, um, the boss has to take his um, mission, who happened to be 20 years uh, ago, and he has to send his agents in the same mission, he lost his team 20 years ago. That's a dramatic story. It's dramatic background, actually. So it's not always comedy. It's sad to see how 
even Lily is the daughter of one of the agents who died 20 years ago. So she is not really stealing their money to uh, be part of them because he wants to steal, she wants to steal the money, but she's, she looked for a way to get closer to the agents agents who were closer to the boss who had involvement in that uh, mission 20 years ago because she wanted to find who killed her parents so everyone has their his um his own dramatic background even in the second volume uh, leo has a uh, dramatic background later in the third one eddie finds out who his uh, lost brother was and who started doing other crimes so during the story, there's always happening some dramatic background, but you're not really feeling that drama because it's covered by comedy. Most mm. Leo, who like the, most of my readers say they liked uh, Eddie the most because he's the more cool type of loyal agent who protects, you know, everyone. It's like a, you know, an agent everyone wanted to imagine, like girls want to see such an cool agent and guys want to be such an agent so mm -hmm. they like Eddie but Leo is doing most of the comedy because you're laughing because of him or together with him so he's one of the like favorite Leo's a favorite for, for my readers and yeah so I'm trying to cover that dramatic of, with comedy even the fight scenes to not uh, look that bloody or dramatic I cover them with uh, maybe flashbacks from the past in a funny way when even when when Eddie is fighting some um, villains and he's hitting that guy's uh, head on the ground that's a bloody image mm -hmm. when you're thinking of it but it somehow vanished with uh, with the flashback from the past like Leo sees him doing that and then he, he imagines wait I saw that somewhere did I live that thing somewhere that happened somewhere. I can remember someone dressed in some clothing, like my boss looks like an emperor. Where, where was that? So that's a comedy, like you're not really paying attention to the dramatic stuff that is happening at the moment because you're thinking of the comedy like Leo is doing. So that's covered somehow. Because you know, like Jackie also said, I want children to watch my movies. Mm. So, I, which we did, we all watched his movies when we mm. were kids and we didn't really see a lot of, even in the fighting, you didn't take that um, fighting like something bad, you know, I'm going on the street and I'm beating this guy up. It has some, some um, fighting style that is not so drastic, you know, not mm. so violent. You're not going to get violent by watching that. And that, that's what I want to do with my, my, my novels too. Like even if younger people are reading it they're not getting any violence like ideas violent ideas after after reading that but just good things at the end and no swearing or bad words even if they're here and there there's maybe some what like you idiot or something but not really words that you know people are going like kids going out and then using those words it's not what i want to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like w one of the things that I really loved about the volume one that I read was the way in which you just described or the, the way in which, um, you know, the past and the present kind of weave together um, with these different characters and, and how the actions of the past kind of echo on sort of into the, the future and into the actions of, of the characters like Eddie and, and, and guys like that, um, you know, who, who are trying to do their, their mission in the future. Um, and I just thought it was, you know, really clever. It, 
to to kind of marry those those two things together so that was really one of the things that, that i enjoyed um you know so much about it um was was that something that you got from sort of a a science fiction background or was it something that you just always kind of wanted to to do with the story you always wanted to have sort of the past and the present you know together in in, in one story so to speak yeah i can say that i'm a really big fan of fantasy stories mm fantasy movies but this idea of like dying and being born again as you know this kind of mythological or religion or how you want to call it is fascinating and I thought of the idea what if this is not the only world we are living in and what if our past and the future are worlds that happen in the same time and what if somehow doing something these worlds could connect and then you could realize as a character you can realize that, that you lived that thing again with the same people, but in other times. And even like the curse is going to the, to the future, going back to the past. And even that is a curse, actually, that is a kind of destiny that is um, bringing them together. Like mm. you were together in the past, you're meant to be together in the future too. So that curse in the, the next volume and even in the third volume is something that helps the agents um, like get back to life if they die or it helps them actually and they find out that there is some sort of connections with the past and that was what, what, what was fascinating for me like this having more lives like you know hmm. being born again and maybe uh, you couldn't finish something in uh, in your past life like in the third volume uh, i'm not going to give any spoilers but no, um, no, no, like, the, <laughs> like the uh, eddie's brother who's um the one of the characters let's say in the third volume and they meet again and yeah he that character died in in the past and he said like if he couldn't play as kids when we were kids um i promise you i'm looking for you in some day or whatever i'm looking for you and you're going to play with me as we didn't play as kids so he had some tra drama from the past he couldn't get over the fact that he was separated from his family and didn't live with them together and what he wished wished was to to play with his brother so when he grew up he still had that, that mind of a kid like play with me but he was doing crimes like play with me you know and mm -hmm. that's how he he searched for eddie in the third volume like really making him going to missions like killing people or i'm going to kill this person and you're going to to help this person don't let me kill him like let's play like a crazy person you know and making him like play such crime games mm -hmm. and it was something from the past connected with the past because he told the, the emperor like uh, he told um eddie from the past you know laiji that if we don't play we, if we didn't play in this life i'm going to look for you in my next life and this is what he did like in hong kong later he really searched for his brother and like forced him to do some things like playing you know and that was connections between um, a soul that uh, couldn't live the life he wanted to live in the past and he's looking for his brother even if he's like the same crazy soul you know going crazy and doing mm. crimes and stuff but he his intentions in his mind was something he couldn't do in his past life he wants to do it in the future but causing like things that the agents had to solve and to get him and make him stop because he was doing crimes but yeah so I like this kind of um, connecting souls characters worlds 
and people like this, even though I'm not a huge fan of fantasy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, as said, like one of the things that really kind of stood out for, for me reading the book was was that kind of echo, um, you know, the way that, that events kind of echoed through time. And, and I love also the way that the characters are connected on, on that, you know, soulful level, as, as you said, it's almost um, as if, you know, the choices that they make and um, the feelings that they experience can transcend the time uh, differences and, and time periods um, and can be experienced, you know, right the way through um, from the past, right the way to the present and, and the future. And um, that to me was really what I found quite unique as well about, about your books, because the, um, you know, a lot of sort of martial arts thrillers that I've read um, are very, very kind of focused on the martial arts itself in the terms of that they, um, you know, are very much about describing the, the discipline behind karate or, right. Um, you know, the detail behind um, the system, the different fighting systems in um, Kung Fu or, you know, the, the, basically they're all about that and, and, and detailing that as much as possible in a sense that it becomes a part of the story. But with, with your story, it's it's as much about, as you said, the, the kind of the characters and, and the key themes that you're trying to get across as, as, as it is about the action that's in the story, you know, and yeah, that, that made like for a really, really exciting experience. So um, yeah, it's an awesome book. So definitely listeners go and um, check that out. Um, what I also wanted to ask you, Ramona, is a, a little bit about um, your other project, which is called Kung Fu Bodyguard. Right. Um, so could you just tell us a little a little bit about that and, and what the story is behind that and what your plans are for it as well? Well, compared to Agent Zero Zero, which is like more comedy, uh, Kung Fu Bodyguard is more like a crime action story. Hmm. Now, talking about my style, um, readers have told me they have the impression of watching a movie while uh, reading the book. And that is something I didn't plan to do. I... I realized I was doing that even from the first books I wrote. So I, I did something like what the director is doing when he's directing a movie is something I'm doing on paper, I could say that. So it's like a style of, if you can call it that, a movie in a book. Like we mm. met you seeing the, the images and hearing sounds and every, even doing the fight scenes, if we can call them fight scenes in a book, you're you're really seeing that image like of getting punched and the comedy behind or even in the, uh, not going back to Agent Zero Zero, uh, when there is um, Figaro's wedding, the, the music in the background and they're mm -hmm. fighting while, during, that, the, during that music. You can, if you know that music, you can hear the music and still hear the people punch each other. You know, it's a combination of, of comedy, which you, when you're seeing it on screen, you have it all there. But when you're writing that in a book, you have to somehow write your sentences that it's easy for the reader to hear, see, and imagine everything really real, to have that action really real. And what I did for a Kung Fu Bodyguard, I thought of preparing a movie project, but still having a novel, because it's easiest for me to write a novel first. I don't know, for many people, it's the script is easier to write. I never, I never wrote a script. Mm. I had no idea about scripts. I was just doing my story. So I was doing the, the novel. But anyway, in my novel, there is not much um, description. Like I have, don't have five, ten pages of describing a chair, which mm. is 
for me personally boring. I don't like books that have <laughs> a lot of description. I like, I'm really mm. skipping that. So I really did skip that part and then let my books just what is important. You know, you want to see the story, not describing things. I don't care how that chair looks like. He's sitting down on that chair and what happens. That's important. So uh, the story is from the begin beginning, just action mostly, even in Kung Fu Bodyguard. It's just what's important. And if you would need to cut out and make a script after it, it would be really easy because it's almost like made like a script already. You just have all the important parts you would do for the movie, you know. But still printing it as a book because I published it as a novel. Uh, people are reading the novel, not a script, because a script is not something you want to read for fun. Hmm. So, and I also try to keep it low budget in case I really want to do this crazy thing of preparing a movie project. Uh, I don't have a lot of money and even the people I have connections with, we need to raise some money, but we can't like really think we're going to raise millions because that's some high expectations that probably not going to happen. Hmm. So I, I try to keep the, the low, as low budget as I, as possible, not having lots of people in the story and keep it like really cheap, you know, but in entertaining. So it's a crime story. The main character is Sophie. Um, her parents die at the beginning of the story. They are shot by uh, the uncle, who is uh, the, uh, Sophie's uncle, who is uh, the uncle, I, I mean, the brother of her father. And right after the funerals, um, this uncle, together with the leader and his subordinates, uh, give Sophie a paper of making her sign a paper of giving up on the rights. They give us uh, all the rights your father had because we are taking care of the company. So she started getting the impression, okay, I think my uncle killed my parents for the money, which is what, what, what happened. So she runs away from home. Uh, the uncle sends his men to look for her, to get her and get her back and make her sign. So she was even afraid, not, not just signing, but seeing how, how far his, her uncle got, like even killing her parents. She was afraid she's going to be killed too after she's signing. So she runs away, um, the uncle's team is looking for her. And on that time, she's uh, getting, uh, I mean, she's bumping into Bo, who's um, a simple guy, a poor guy, who's just working on, street, on the street with his cookies. He has like no problem with uh, anything with crimes or everything that's going on uh, mm. around him. And, but he gets in the middle of the fight while they're trying to get Sophie and he helps her without wanting to help, but she's getting into the fight because he's a good martial artist. He actually has no money. So he's sleeping and he's training in his own gym. Um, and during the day he's working at the restaurant. So he said he has a simple life, but seeing that he's a good martial artist and he even helped her. Sophie's looking for him at the gym and asks for his help because she sees that she has no chance, not even at the police station and nowhere because her family was really everywhere. She had like her uncle had people everywhere who would bring her home and not help her. So she mm. had no, no one on the law part for her. So she was really looking for a stranger who would like fight for her and help her somehow um, let everyone know what her uncle did. But Bo doesn't want to get involved. Just tell her, um, he doesn't want any involvement in crimes and stuff and to leave him alone. Uh, but still lets her sleep overnight at his gym. So later she, she goes at the restaurant where she's, he's eating uh, because he was grown up by, um, by a cook 
who mm -hmm. found him on street when he was 10 years old. So he had no memory from the age of 10. He had no idea who his family was, who he is. All he knew was he knew martial arts and yeah, he, he was raised up in that restaurant and helping that cook, uh, that older cook. He had also two friends who were also poor. So they were just helping out at the restaurant to have food and some money. And yeah, well, then the uncle and his men chase Sophie and find out she was at the restaurant. So they killed the cook. And that's the moment when even if Bo always told Sophie, I'm not your bodyguard, I can't help you, leave me alone. But the moment they kill her cook, uh, his cook, and it was the only person he had, his only family. And that's the moment when he says uh, to Sophie, I'm not doing it for you but I'm doing it for myself for getting revenge. So he's actually helping her hmm. find um, a way to expose her uncle. And on the way, like they, the two friends of Paul join too. They're also good martial artists. They're also the people who are doing the action during the, the story. And they meet um, two agents also investigate the case in the same time. So they find evidence about the uncle. And yeah, but uh, to the end of the story, uh, Paul finds out during the fight with that leader and having flashbacks from the past he starts remembering who he is and who his parents were and, and he finds out that his father actually was a bodyguard, bodyguard and was exactly um sophie's parents bodyguard so his hmm. father was a real bodyguard in the same place where sophie was born too so they actually had a connection already with each other but didn't know so that title, Kung Fu Bodyguard, because he was saying, I'm not a bodyguard, I can help you. But then he finds out his father was a real bodyguard. And actually during the story, he turns out to be a bodyguard too, because he's helping Sophie like a bodyguard. So yeah, that the story gets more and more personal for, for Bo, who not just that the cook was killed, but even he finds out that even the leader killed even his, uh, his own parents and he, hmm. when he remembers who he is. So that, that's more like crime, the dramatic part of the story. Mm. But it has mm. some action, some great action, actually, some really cool action scenes. I'm always mm. calling them action scenes in, in books, which is a little <laughs> bit funny, maybe, because mm. it's a book and not action scenes are in movies. But I know, I, maybe, yeah, you can imagine the action scenes while reading the books and even see the stunts, and that, that's a thing. So mm. I really prepared mm. that, like looking at it as a movie. Mm. No, definitely. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, when you get a good um, book like that, a, a good action book, um, usually what I find is I'm able to kind of visualize in my head as I'm reading, um, you know, what I'm seeing on the pages. So, I, you know, my brain is, is almost kind of painting the picture in, in my head of, of um, what it would look like as, as a movie, say, or as a movie scene and how, you know, everything would play out. Um, and that's one of the, the, the kind of real strengths of, of um, Agent Zero Zero that I read was I was able to visualize everything and, yeah. and see it. And it sounds like with Kung Fu Bodyguard as well, you, you know, you've really kind of gone for um, creating scenes that, that people can visualize themselves. And um, I'm, I'm with you also. I, I don't like sort of overly descriptive um, scenes, you know, where it, when it comes to background information and things like that, I, I think unless it's not necessary um, to the story, then you don't really care. Um, you know, you more right. care about the people themselves and the characters and what they're thinking and why they're, they're kind of doing what they're doing in, in the story. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I can't stand books where you pick it up and they, they go 
into great detail about what the table looks like and how many chips it has on it and things like no that. No one cares. Like, really yeah. no, one cares. <laughs> no, nobody cares. It's if it's part of the story and if it's important that there are chips on the table because mm. someone is going to hit someone with their chips, then mm. it's an important detail. But if they don't eat them, they don't have them on the table, it's really not important yeah no no it's an absolute waste of time <laughs> so in terms of um kung fu bodyguard the the, the movie script because i know you you said you've kind of set out to write this as a book with a view to turning it as, as a script um ideally are you looking at something quite low budget that you would be able to put out say on online on the internet or were you looking at something that maybe you could even go through um with go through to a, a movie theater with Right. Uh, well, I, I wrote the book last year, the novel, and I wrote it maybe in one month or something because I had it was during the time I, I went to London, too. So I stopped writing and finished writing it. And yeah, I had this idea of, of a movie project. So what I had to do first was translating it to English, which is somehow the most well, thing that that's the most complicated thing for me because I'm not a native English speaker and um, I tried my best translating uh, Agent Zero Zero and asked some people like read here and there. How does it sound for you? I still I know that in Agent Zero Zero some mistake, mistakes too. I, I I wrote I saw them too, but I need to to check them before making it into an ebook. But uh, yeah, Agent Zero Zero was really my first novel to be translated into English and was a huge project for me. And even I'm doing when I'm writing in Romanian, I know exactly how I'm doing the comedy when you're reading the sentences. And the way I write them, it makes you laugh. Like, you know, there's going a long sentence and the second one is short and that one makes you laugh. But in mm -hmm. English, when you translate it to English, so even in Romanian, my style is somehow mixed because I was, um, I grew up in Germany. So my first language was Romanian at home, but I, I spoke German at school, at kindergarten, outside. So I grew up speaking two languages. So even my Romanian is now, so in Romanian, there's short sentences, but in German, there are really long sentences. And I'm writing in Romanian with long sentences. So for, for people, it's somehow funny to see like the German writing in Romanian. But translating to English was a challenge for me, but I did all I could. And after translating one book, Kung Fu Bodyguard was already easier for me to translate it because I started getting, I know I can do this. And I translated it. And right after making the English version of the novel, Kung Fu Bodyguard, I really took the text and copied it into another file and starting to cut, cut, cut all the description that I said a script doesn't need. Like mm. someone says something doing that, if that's important, like cutting even more of the description. I didn't have much description, but cutting a little bit of it and editing, editing the text, like, you know, how a script has to look like, like a character is who's saying what, and, mm. um, you know, if it's outside, inside, I'd made that, uh, editing for the script and the script was ready in maybe a week or something i think that was really easy to do because i was afraid of writing uh, of doing this script because no one did teach me ever to do a script or how it should be and uh for novels i'm really sure what i'm doing but as for the movie industry there's so many things i still need to learn and as i didn't go to any film school or something it was I, I just looked around I took the script actually from rush hour and I found it online rush hour one it was I think I mm. scrolled through the script like Carter Lee Carter Lee I said okay that's a script so 
the script has to look like this. Okay, and I did the Kung Fu bodyguard. Th that was my lesson, my, my script lab teaching. <laughs> I could teach myself, okay, that's, that's how the script looks like. I'm doing the script now. And I think it turned out really good. I showed it to some people in the industry and they said it looks good. Like, hmm. and not, there is no like a perfect script, a good script or not, uh, as long as the story is good, because the story is most important in a movie. And if the story is in any way good and the script, you can read it and understand everything that's going on. And all the people who are reading it and work on it understand every move and everything that's going on there. And it's clearly written. There's, then it's good. Like you don't need a perfect script or whatever, it, as long as you can work with it. Yes, I kept that script since last year and um, was really thinking what I'm going to do with it and what people I should work with. And uh, for a year, I've been like really contacting people and making connections because I saw that that's important, like making connections because you can mm. go to a film school and even that that's not going to help you out. It's whatever you're talented or not. Because they're like taking, for example, stuntmen. Some did have like special training and some just watched movies and started to, to do stunts and stuff. And they are like working with our most important people in the action industry. And they had no, they teach themselves how to do it. So that was for me the same thing with the writing too, because it's a thing I, I think it's whether you're born with a talent or not, that's maybe a cruel thing, but not mm -hmm. everyone is writing novels. That's, that's for sure. It's your something you're born with, but you never, even when my mom saw in me when I was a kid, oh, she's good at telling stories because when I was two years old, I was like telling stories that never happened on TV or in cartoons. So I had imagination, but you never know when a kid grows up how good she will be. Like you can't tell it, you just need to see it. And I didn't know myself how good I am or how far I can get. You still, you like, you know, you don't know your limitation. You have no, no limits and you always uh, will learn more things and discover more things about you while doing it so i just kept doing and learning myself things and yeah so without a, a school or learning how to do a script or or the planning and even three four years ago like i said it took me three years to make anyone write uh, in a newspaper about me and starting from that point and more connection inside here the country uh tv stations radio stations people from magazines even the german newspaper and more and more people who finally started to notice me and say oh she's great we want to do an interview with her or call her on a tv show and that's what when i started like having being on shows and uh having interviews written about me in the newspapers but uh, I still had no connections. You know, the, I was looking for the connections in the industry. I started from zero and I'm having no connections. Then I started having the mass media around and getting that kind of attention. And it's hard when you really know no one. I had like no connections. And during the years, it's amazing how small the world starts to be because you're meeting more and more people. And mm -hmm. even in the end, I, I, speak to people who I, I watched in movies when I was a kid and wow I admired this person in a certain movie mm. 10 years ago and now he's speaking to me and he's <laughs> like really really happy to, to have a conversation with me and even telling me uh, I'm proud of you that you like watched my movies and what turned out like during the years what you could do with your talent just by admiring me that's amazing and that's cool when you you know you grow up and it seems like impossible to reach 
uh, those people and even reach and get into that industry because that's a like even when I was a kid and in school and high school uh, my classmates asked me you know but you want to be in this industry okay in, in the action movie industry do you have any connections I said no you know no person not even one person in the industry no and how are you going to get there it was always what they asked me are you crazy like you're in the middle of nowhere and they're in the other part of the other side of the world like, hmm. like it's impossible, almost impossible. And yeah, I, I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do this. And it was actually while well, like, you know, trying to get into the industry. And my, my, the thing is I wanted to learn how to produce a movie. That was my, my first like dream of being on set and learning, but hmm. I had to do it somehow to reach that set. So I started writing the novels. Then I discovered that I'm good at writing novels and it's fun and that's what I'm going to be. And I, I saw I'm I'm a novelist actually. So that movies made the the movies, the, the books made uh, my career. And I started mm. being the novelist and more and more books because I have 11, 11 novels till today. And uh, yeah, then exactly the books opened my doors for the movie industry. And like, you know, facing a lot of problems, like I always said, if 100, like if 99 doors close in front of me, I'm going to find the 100th window and I'm getting in <laughs> and I'm doing this. And mm. that's what I was, was doing all these years. They are building connections. That was important because I, like people, if they don't know you, you're saying, oh, I have this story. I want to do a movie. Like that, that's crazy. Like no one, that's really, that's real. No one's going to pay attention to what you're doing. But if during the years, you really prove yourself to be good at what you're doing and important is to not give up like for years showing you really want to do this then it, it's amazing that people you admire or really have a chat with you and say that's great what you're doing and that that makes you feel happy because you don't want to everyone to agree with you or, or the whole world to to like you at the beginning it's important for you that the person you admire you, you know, mm. admire you you know that that's that's the best thing that can happen. If you admire someone and that person says it's great what you do, that makes you happy and makes you keep going and making the career you wanted to have. So yeah, so do, during this, this time, I searched for connections and when um, looking around myself, what's, um, how other people do it. And I even saw that at the movie, uh, I was in London last year, uh, they did fundraise on Indiegogo. Hmm. Uh, that was the first time I actually saw, I heard about this crowdfunding, but didn't know how exactly it works. And I saw their website. Uh, I, I saw that post, the posting on Instagram like months ago, but I didn't really pay attention to it, if it's crowdfunding or what they're doing. But when I really paid attention to it, it sounded interesting to me. Like really, if you have no producer who, you, who would give you the money or uh, who would invest in it or show it to someone, then there is, you need a way to, to raise that money. That was an interesting thing for me, but still I had like no, no details about, I didn't even have the script that time. I had like no idea what to do, how many people I need and how much it's going to cost. There was things I couldn't like really see in my mind. This is that and for what we need money or what exactly we need on set. But as having the experience of being on set, it really gave me um, a feeling of, it, it won't be easy, but it's, it can be possible, it can be made. And that was important for me when I realized it can be made. I don't know really how, but it can be made. So mm. I was for a few months since last spring, I was thinking and thinking about it. 
And then slowly, uh, during even that time, uh, some people got in touch with me, um, like stuntmen and other action action people, uh, who all have the same like dream like me of being in, in action movies and producing such movies. And then I started having ideas like, wait a minute, there are so many stuntmen that are just doing over and over again stunts, but they could actually act too, but that's that's hard in, you know, like in big productions, they already have that big actor who's going to bring them success. So they don't try to make a movie with a guy or someone who no one knows hmm. that they don't take these risks, which is sad because you could have a really good actor who never had a role, but is a really good actor and really good action actor, which is important. And you can have someone who really takes the risks of doing um, his own stunts and acting in the same time and like having the, the um, lead role. But that's really hard to get in passing such auditions because there are so many stuntmen out there and it's hard to get to like being stuntmen and then starting being an actor as well. So like meeting people around, I started looking and I thought that maybe that's possible to do like a movie with stuntmen having the roles, you know? And even looking at Paul, looking at David, Mark, you know, the characters, they hmm. don't have a lot of acting to do. Like they don't have a lot of lines to say, a lot of acting, it's just simple. It's really simple to act. You do just need to do the stunts, the action. Um, so I found some people who are the same and have the same enthusiasm like me and they really are like thinking, yeah, we can do this. And that was important for me because I was surrounded by so many people telling me I can do this. And I heard that so many times, even before starting writing novels, I heard people telling me, you won't do this, you can't do this, and I did it. So I heard many, many times people telling me, you can do this. But I'm now hear hearing someone said, you're not going to make it, it means I'm going to make it. That was just <laughs> like this. So people mm. telling me again, you're not going to make it. So this is a good thing for me because I know I'm going somewhere, somehow I'm going to make this. So yeah, I have at the moment a team and we have the, fundraising campaign already prepared. So everything is written down. We have everything on paper. There are still some things we need to, to clear about paperwork and other like insurance and stuff, because you know, you're bringing people who are going to jump around and you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like someone breaks mm -hmm. his leg or something, you know, you have to take care of things like this, but it's great that you know, I have some guys that are really enthusiastic about this and they really want to make this and they have passion for it. And it's not just about the money making and how much you're going to have it. And of course, you're happy if you can make money out of it, of course. But it, it shouldn't be the first thing you're asking for, like how much I'm going to make with this movie. It's really, we want to have the full feature film, not a short film. I really wish to have the full length movie and to be able to put it on a DVD and really show people. That is what, I'm, what I dream to do. And it's starting to look more and more reels. Everything is prepared. I think this April we're going to put the campaign online and share mm -hmm. the trailer, like trailer who we are and what we're going to fundraise for. So we're doing this Indiegogo campaign to try to, to fundraise at least the budget we need to bring everything to get everyone together and uh, do this movie. So it, it sounds really great. I'm really excited about it. And we're mm, going to make yeah. it. Just because people told me I'm not going to make it, I'm going to make it. <laughs> For sure. No, I mean, it sounds like you've got a, a real plan ahead of you there. And um, 
you know it, it we live in, in 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 such an age now where it's not so difficult anymore for people to you know kind of pursue their their dreams with film and and you know with writing and all of these things because technology has brought down so many barriers that that used to be up there before so it's you know that all you kind of really need is is some enthusiasm and some people to work with and and an idea and right. um you know as long as you have those things in in your you know in your basket then you're you're really ready to go so yeah no i mean it, it sounds like you've got some some fantastic ideas there so um we'll definitely keep uh touch with you there and, and make sure that um we get an update on how that's developing now we've just got one um or two quick questions for you um uh, mm -hmm. before we wrap it up um, I did manage to get a, a question from my co-host, the Rustin Kid, Rich Kid. He just wanted to ask if you had ever read a book called Kung Fu High School um, by a novelist called Ryan Gattis. Uh, I don't know if you would ever heard of that before. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I'm going to look for it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's um it, it's a book I actually haven't read myself, uh, to be honest. But he loves it. He's read it before, and he he says it's awesome. Um, and I mean the the title of the book kind of tells you exactly what it's about, almost. Um, yeah, actually, I didn't have much time to read novels, to be mm. honest. You know, <laughs> all the time just working with text and writing and writing. You you really want to do some maybe some training, some martial arts or anything, or just watch a movie, but be away from the screen and, and the writing, you know. So I didn't really have much time of reading books. Mm, mm. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I have to keep up with the training because I gave up like I was taekwondo based. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I was training a lot and I was good at it and really happy doing it. And, and during the school time, I had no time for it. And when I started writing, uh, there were some years when I almost gave up training for it. So now I'm getting back in shape because I need it and I want to get back in shape. So I've started mm -hmm. letting the books by side a little bit and mix this training and writing. Mm, awesome awesome yeah my last question was going to be what <laughs> what martial arts if any have you have you done yourself over, okay. uh, over time but um but so taekwondo is is your yeah, right. oh, okay I, I want to learn kung fu actually mm. wushu or some stuff it looks really great on screen almost it does yeah looks awesome yeah it does wushu is is it looks beautiful when it's um yeah. you know when like it, a dance it's yeah yeah, yeah. really fascinating yeah. Taekwondo is interesting, but a footwork, you know, the high mm. kicking and stuff is really cool in movies. Mm. Mm. But Wushu is some other, you know, even in fantasy movies and stuff, it looks stylish. It looks cool, like dancing, right? Mm. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ramona, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been awesome to to talk to you and to hear a little bit about your your journey and you know how you've traveled from a precocious 14 year old all the way up to, to here and, and what you've done. Um, before you go, could you tell people where they can uh, find your books if they want to buy any and um, where they can find you on social media as well? Well, Kung Fu Bodyguard is available on Amazon just as an ebook to mm -hmm. the English version. As for the Romanian readers, if there are any, uh, any listening right now, my books can be, um, or on my Facebook page, they can order them right there or just mm -hmm. contact me on Facebook and they can get in touch with me and I'm sending the books out. Yeah, and rest, you, they can uh, find me on Instagram on the same name, Facebook, Lee Sojourn. Yeah, so there's the rest of the information is all, everything is on Facebook and on Instagram. 
But yeah, their only ebook is right now Kung Fu Bodyguard on Amazon. And Agent Zero Zero is going to be available as an ebook soon too. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Ramona. Well, as I said, thank you so much again for, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to, to talk to you. And um, we hope we can have you on again real soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Great. All right, listeners. Well, that's it. We're going to wrap it up now. So um, I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, and make sure you listen at the end of the recording as well. There'll be a short trailer there uh, to let you know where you can find our other podcasts. So, yep, it's goodbye from me. And we'll see you again soon. Peace. If you like what you just heard, why don't you follow us online? You can find us on Twitter at WulongTalks.com, on Facebook at WulongTalks, and on Instagram at WulongTalks. We also have our blog, which we update uh, kind of regularly, and you can find us there at www.WulongTalks.com. If you have any ideas for topics or would like us to feature your geek-based products or business on our show, you can always get in touch with us via email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com.